Hey, what's going on, guys? It's Ethan Klassine with the Goal to Go podcast today, Thursday, September 30th, coming to you mere minutes before the Thursday night football game between the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Cincinnati Bengals kicks off. And I wanted to give you guys a Monday night football recap as well as a Thursday night football preview. Uh, Last week, we started off our previews with just Thursday night football, got into a little bit later, uh, a little more previews or expectations for week three. We got into a couple of games last week, continuing that trend here this week, but also wanted to throw in a Monday night football recap. So far this season, I've kind of been excluding Monday night football, not because the games haven't been good. They've they've been fine, um, but just because I'm trying to get out different types of content like recaps, like previews, and some other ancillary episodes as well. But as I get up to speed, like I mentioned at the end of last episode, I want to start being able to release all sorts of things for you. So I'm ramping up a little bit here. So I figured today would be a good opportunity to go through and give you guys a Monday night football recap of the game between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys. So let's start there, guys. The Philadelphia Eagles travel to Dallas to face the White Hot Cowboys. And man, Cowboys stay hot. They beat the Eagles 41-21. to Now, this game, guys, it, 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 it was not close according to the scoreboard. And let me tell you, it wasn't close in the actual game either. The Cowboys really controlled this game. From the onset, and you know, it's really just a tale of two different teams, just a stark difference between these teams in all aspects, in my opinion. Like, let, let's start with the offense, and we'll, we'll talk about uh, Ezekiel Elliott real quick. There's been a lot of concern for Ezekiel Elliott, especially with among fantasy football players, which, you know, who really gives a shit about fantasy football? These are real players doing real things. All those concerns, they're gone now. Zeke had a great game on uh, Monday. He had 17 carries for 95 yards and two touchdowns, and then added three receptions for 21 yards. So over 100 all-purpose yards for RB1 out of Dallas. Um, He looked really good on Monday. He moved well. He hit the hole with burst. Um, You know, Tony Pollard still got his work in, and uh, honestly, he still looked like the more explosive back. But this was a game where I don't know if it was the Cowboys intent to do this, but they more or less like got him, got Zeke, that is, uh, more involved. And they kind of let Pollard take a back seat in some aspects. Like there were, it seemed like they were going two on, one off for Zeke. Um, When Pollard got in the game, he was there for the entire series. So, you know, I I give credit to Dallas because they recognize the talent that Tony Pollard is. They're not going to just play Zeke solely out of the massive contract that he's playing on. They recognize that Pollard has talent, and they need to get him in there because he makes a difference when he is involved in the game plan. But they also recognize that Zeke is their number one guy. They're giving him a majority of the work. It showed on Monday, and he rewarded them with over 100 yards of total offense and two touchdowns on the ground. He just he looked like typical old Zeke, which is something that we really haven't seen in the first two weeks of the season. He's clearly the lead back of this offense, and I think this dual running back, I guess, issue or problem, I don't really think it's that. It's just situation, let's call it that. I think it's a good thing. It's only a good thing for the Cowboys at this point. It makes their offense more versatile. It's hard to guess what they're going to be able to do, and that is just every everything about that is good for Dallas. Philadelphia, they had no answer on defense for Zeke or for this offense entirely. You know, Dak, he played extremely well. 21 completions off 26 yards for 238 yards. 
and three touchdowns, which sounds like a lot, but he didn't really need to do much in this game because Zeke and Pollard in this ground game was just working Philadelphia, um, and they had no answer for it. They it, it, it was it was crazy because it was a tale of two defenses on uh, when the opposing offense was on the field. Whenever the Cowboys were on the field, it seemed like their time of possession was like a couple of minutes, like two or three minutes, because they would just go right down the field and score. It was so quick. Zeke was getting yards in droves on the ground, and then when they threw, Dak was always finding the open target. His target of choice this week was Dalton Schultz, the tight end, who had six catches for 80 yards and two of uh, Dak's three touchdowns. Philadelphia just had no answer for them. We talked about in the expectations for week three episode about how the Eagles had lost Derek Barnett's on the defensive side of things. I'm sorry, Brandon Graham, but they still had all these other pieces like Fletcher Cox, like, um, um, Brent, I'm sorry, uh, Derek Barnett's getting all my Eagles players mixed up, testing my knowledge right now, but they still had some players on that side of the ball to where maybe they could, you know, kind of hold off and sustain their level of play, even with a good player like Brandon Graham being gone. That was not the case on Monday because the Cowboys just took uh, complete advantage um, of the Cowboy of the Eagles' offense. And as I mentioned, Dak didn't have to do much just because the ground game did such a good job. Philadelphia just could not get any momentum on either side of the ball. Jalen Hurts struggled mightily in this game, and I think it was more evident this week than it was last week when the Eagles suffered their first loss of the season against the 49ers because it was in prime time. It looked like Jalen was in over his head, which you got to give credit to Dallas's defense for because I think they have played extremely well all season. You know, we have said before in the past that, you know, Dallas has a top five, top 10 offense. At least they've had, they have had that for the last like two to three years, probably maybe even going back to Dak's rookie year that all they need is just an average defense. Well, at this point, from what I've seen through three weeks, and you know, I'm, I'm far from a data scientist or a, a qualified football analyst, Dallas looks like they are a top 50% defense. I honestly could, would potentially put them just outside the top 10. They have played really well on that side of the ball. A big reason for that is because of Mika Parsons, um, because of Dan Quinn, the defensive coordinator. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot that goes into people saying, you know, some of these coaches, they get a opportunity to be a head coach somewhere and they go and just flame out. And then they go back to what they were doing before, whether it's an offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator, and they flourish. It seems like Dan Quinn is in the group of people. You know, Wade Phillips was the same way. He was once the Cowboys head coach, and then he went back to being a defensive coordinator for the Broncos. Then they won a Super Bowl with uh, Wade Phillips. And then he goes to the Los Angeles Rams. They go to the Super Bowl um, with Wade Phillips. So there's a lot to be said with some of these coaches, you know, that take on the head coaching job. Maybe it's a little too much at the time. And then they go back to their old ways and just have to focus on their coordinator position and they flourish. It looks like that is the case with Dan Quinn. This defense is playing at a much better level. Trayvon Diggs had a pick six on Jalen Hurts in this game. Um, even though they are missing Demarcus Lawrence, it didn't look that way. They had Mika Parsons, and then um, Osa, I can't remember uh, that kid's name, but he's a D tackle for the Cowboys. He's been playing extremely well um, as well. So credit to the Cowboys defense that they were doing extremely well. Um, and it was just a little too much for Jalen. You know, um, 
like I said, you got to give the credit to the Dallas defense, but you also got to put uh, some of it on Jalen Hurts. Um, you know, he was going through his reads slowly. He was throwing late to receivers. That's what led to the pick, uh, the pick six to Trayvon Diggs. Um, there was a number of times, too, where he evaded pressure. And, you know, you love the kid and other quarterbacks for their mobility. But you got you got to be a little more mature with what you're doing when you escape the pro, uh, the, pro, the the pocket and you got to keep your eyes downfield. That was one of my biggest issues with Tim Tebow when he was the Broncos quarterback. He was always able to get um, out of the pocket and avoid pressure. But as soon as that happened, he would just tuck the ball and run. And, you know, in this case for Jalen, that led to a lot of yard, a couple of yard gains, like one or two, but nothing significant. And like you need to keep your eyes downfield. Um, and, and Jalen just was not doing that on a number of occasions on Monday night. He started off hot in week one against the Falcons, but after two more games of seeing what he's been able to put out there, it looks like it could have been more about, um, about the Falcons than it was about Jalen Hurts' success. It'll be interesting to see how he progresses as the Eagles get off to a rough start these last two games. For the Cowboys, I think this is all. these are all good things, man. I think they are a top 10 unit without a doubt. Their offense is top five, maybe even top three. Uh, Dak is just playing at a very good level right now. His football IQ uh, is, is crazy for missing a whole year. I don't think that's something that we all expected. We all focused on whether Dak could get back physically and didn't even pay any attention to how his mental game would be. But from what I've seen through three games, He's he's right up there with some of the best quarterbacks in the league for calling protections, switching the plays when he's reading the defenses and he uh, he knows a different play would work a lot better. I'm liking this offense. I talked about the defense a lot. And I think given the state of the NFC East, Washington not doing so well, their defense is not playing how we expected. Uh, The Eagles obviously got some things to figure out with their second year quarterback and then the Giants are just a complete shit show at this point I don't think it's really egregious of me to come out and say that the Cowboys are the definitive favorite to win the NFC East but that is how the game ended great game for the Dallas Cowboys winning 41 to 21 they are looking good heading into week four okay guys now let's get into the Thursday night football preview between the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Cincinnati Bengals Listen, on paper, this doesn't look great, okay? Like, we, like Cincinnati's a 2-1, and one, so they've gotten off to a decent start. But, I mean, it's still the Bengals. No one really gets, you know, overtly excited because the Bengals are on television. So, And then you got the Jacksonville Jaguars, who, yeah, they got the number one overall pick in Trevor Lawrence. But, man, they have had a rough start to the season. But there's a few things that I'm looking for in this one. And the first of which, you know, we these games give us a chance to talk about some of these players that are otherwise underappreciated just because they are, you know, on, you know, semi-bummy teams. So, like, I want to talk about Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon has had a very great start to the season. Um, He doesn't get as much pop as the Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase connection, which is understandable because they've been playing at a very uh, very high level. But I think this is going to be the game where we see Joe Mixon assert himself as the center of the offense in prime time for the Cincinnati Bengals. Through three games, he's the fifth highest running back, according to PFF metrics. We heard over the offseason that with Gio Bernard being gone, moving on to Tampa Bay, that Joe Mixon was going to be the bell cow. He was going to be the centerpiece of this offense, working the third down work as well as the um, first two downs and the goal line work. 
And that is, that's what we're seeing right now. Joe Mixon is averaging 20, or I'm sorry, 95 yards per game. He only has one touchdown right now to go uh, to go with that uh, production. But the fact that he's getting almost 100 yards just on the ground, and that doesn't even factor in to how well he does through the air. I mean, that those are all good things for the Cincinnati Bengals. If they can have a guy to lean on right now um, in their offense that isn't Joe Burrow, I think that's a big thing is Joe Burrow, I mentioned on the last episode that it looks like he doesn't trust his knee as much as he did last year before the knee injury. If Joe Mixon can give Joe Burrow some extra time to shake off the injury, shake off the rust, and kind of get back to how the number one overall pick was playing last year before that catastrophic knee injury, I I think those are all good things. Let's lean on Joe Mixon. He looks like the guy um, early on right now that is going to make a uh, make a case for an all pro position at the running back spot for a potentially overachieving Bengals team lean on the lean on your bell cow running back um and then i i think that good things will happen against this jacksonville run defense i definitely think that joe mixon is going to have a big big role second Let's go to the running back on the offensive side of the uh, on the other side of the ball. Let's get James Robinson the ball, ladies and gents. I don't have to tell you how much I love James Robinson, this guy. I've been touting him since the middle of last season. And let's the start to the season, I mentioned how Urban Meyer loves his guys, right? He loves his Ohio State dudes. He brought in Carlos Hyde who had previously, you know, been with the San Francisco 49ers and like the rest of the, like half of the rest of the league. Um, But last week he got the lion's share of the carries, 21 touches. He took that for 134 all-purpose yards and a touchdown. I don't think that's a fluke, okay? I think James Robinson has way more talent than Carlos Hyde does. And Urban Meyer may just be showing some love to his Ohio State dudes. Well, in this game, Thursday night, Carlos Hyde is inactive. He has a shoulder injury, so it's going to be James Robinson's show. Give the man the ball, and maybe he can keep you guys in this game against the Cincinnati Bengals, and you guys can go and get your first one of the season. Like, let's don't put so much pressure on Trevor Lawrence. You know, I think that's part of the problem with some of these high-drafted quarterbacks is that the pressure is on them to kind of bring their teams from the depths of, like, the NFL power rankings and bring them into, like, rise them, uh, raise them to a contender status. You know, that's just not the Jaguars right now. They have a lot of work to do, a lot of other positions that they need to build on. Give James Robinson the ball, take some pressure off of Trevor Lawrence, make, that will then allow him to play a little more comfortably, build some momentum, and start playing a little bit better this season. Ergo, let's get number 25 the ball. I think good things will happen. All right, let's go back to the Bengals, though. The Jamar Chase bandwagon is white hot right now. Let's see if he's going to continue his hot streak in prime time. Uh, Through three games, he has 11 catches for 220 yards and four touchdowns, averaging 73 yards a game. I think he's going to have another opportunity to put up a big stat line. No T. Higgins in this game. It's going to be the Tyler Boyd and Jamar Chase show. And listen, I I know it's only week four. Uh, I don't think it's outlandish for me to say that Jamar Chase, I think he's the front runner for the rookie of the year candidate at this point through three games. Now, obviously, things are going to change. I expect these these quarterbacks that were taken in the first round to play a little bit better. I mentioned in the last episode that, what is it, all five of them? Uh, well, Trey Lance hasn't been playing that much, but Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, and then um, Mac Jones, 
they, uh, outside of Mac Jones, Mac Jones has been playing fine except through this last season, but those first three guys, they have not been playing that well to this season. It's a little bit surprising that not even one of them has been playing fairly well. Uh, just Mac Jones has been playing okay. I expect those guys to play a little bit better, but right now through three weeks, I think Jamar Chase is the front runner for the rookie of the year. Um, it's just notable given all of the reports that we heard over the preseason of his demise that he had somehow forgotten how to play uh, play wide receiver. That is not showing thus far in the season. Uh, he is looking good. I think he needs to expand his route tree a little bit more. All of these touchdowns are just coming off of set or off of nine routes, which are just the uh, the fades down the field. I'd like to see him go to work over the middle of the field. So we will see if that continues on Thursday night football, but. I do think this is a game, y'all, that the Jaguars can sneak their first win of the season in. They have the players to do it, um, but it also would not surprise me if Cincinnati keeps the hot streak that they are on and get to three wins. We will see. All right, guys, that is all I have for you today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Week 3 Monday Night Football Recap and the Week 4 Thursday Night Football Preview. I will see you guys later this weekend for a... Re, uh, preview or expectations, we will call it, for week four. Until then, I'm Ethan Klesine, signing off. Until next time.